Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? I'm really excited to welcome Matt Rowley to the Philacrosophy podcast. Today, our topic is going to be college lacrosse recruiting and specifically about reclassing. Um, Matt is one of the best guys in the business, a great friend. He is the director of 3D New England as well as a national club director, one of the most respected guys and coaches in the business. Matt, really fired up to have you on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Jamie. This is going to be fun. All right. So um, really quickly, give us uh, the quick elevator pitch on on your background. Uh, Pretty unusual, um, but pretty cool story. Yeah. So I grew up around the game. Uh, Dad was a prep school teacher, Lawrenceville, St. Mark's. So I watched a lot of great high school lacrosse growing up. Fell in love with the sport. Um, Went to college out of St. Mark's, played at St. Mark's. Then went to college down south where there was no lacrosse. Dropped out after two years. Um, and went back seven years later. So I started playing college lacrosse at 27. Uh, as a 27-year-old sophomore, finished up as a 29-year-old senior, and started coaching right away. Milton High School, my first year with Mark Uzingara, who was a great local coach uh, in Massachusetts, and then up to Brewster Academy, where I coached uh, for four years with Bill Lee, um, and then started coaching club with Nestle. Uh, coached some great, great players there. Um, and then, of course, uh, been at Nobles now for – Geez, I think 12 the last 13 years or something along those lines and uh, coaching 3D lacrosse for, for nine years. So that's kind of the journey there really quick. Yeah, and um, it's really cool. Um, I first heard your name from John Torpy when we were recruiting this kid named Damon Edwards. Um, in around 2006 or so, Lars mm-hmm. Tiffany, then coach at Brown, yep. said, hey, Jamie, there's this kid named Damon Edwards from Brewster Academy, and he's a Canadian kid who is off the charts next thing you know torps all over it i mean the guy's a pit bull of a recruiter and and and, and torps forged this relationship with with this guy matt rally and just always talked about rally uh, but it's a, a pretty cool story and that's how i first heard your name and the reason why i bring this up is because it took you on part of your journey was coaching box across in canada correct yeah so um after we got Stephen Keogh to Brewster, he was the sort of the second big Canadian that we got up there. I emailed uh, or called the, the GM, Fraser McDonald, who some played at Hobart and said, hey, I'm not doing anything this summer. Um, would it be cool if I came up and coached box? And he said, absolutely, we'd love to have you. So school ended and uh, I drove from our final faculty meeting to Whitby, Ontario and was on the, on the bench uh, uh, that night for the Toronto beaches and spent my summer in Ontario coaching box. It was maybe the most important summer of coaching uh, that I'd ever have and, and truly ended up being like a really important summer for me in terms of building my recruiting network and, and starting to understand that process as well. Yeah. And one of the things I know too, was that Torp, you know, tr- as a lot of coaches do, they, he trusted you and your opinion on players and he would always call rally. Like I got to find out who rally's got. And, you know, it's a huge part of it. So fast forward a few years, and uh, we meet, you're working at Nestle, and 3D is in its infancy. And, um, you know, I remember, I still remember our first call in which um, 
you know, you were pretty hesitant to want to talk because we were competitors. You were at Nestle and three yeah. starting the club business in New England. Um, but um, I started talking to you about EMO and wall passes. And I, I always kind of joke that I had you at wall pass. It's <laughs> 100% true. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know, it's funny. You had another website. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but um, I remember you'd given Bill access to it. So I was stealing bits and pieces from that website. And then I went down to Brown and you were, you were uh, working with Lars on a fall ball practice, I think. And I went down to Brown and we hung out down there and talked a little bit. And uh, that was sort of the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um, switch gears here and talk about the topic at hand, which is reclassing. Yep. Um, and first of all, you know, um, just, just let's define it. What is reclassing and what's the difference between reclassing and repeating? So repeating is pretty much an immediate commitment to, re, you know, taking another year over, generally your junior or sophomore year over again, um, in, you know, in the next upcoming uh, fall. Reclassing is committing ostensibly to taking another year at some point before you head to college, um, but not immediately changing your class in your high school. So if you're a junior right now, you can, you can reclass to say that you're playing in the, 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 the sophomore class without actually changing your class. What, all you're doing is committing to the idea of taking a PG year somewhere down the road, but you're not, you know, you're not um, committing yourself the next fall to, to like locking yourself into a, a different class and taking, you know, taking your sophomore year over again immediately. So repeating has been going on for years. Um, it's kind of started with the PG year. Um, like Andy Towers, you know, took a PG year at Lawrenceville, as did my brother, because Dom said, hey, we can get you guys into Brown if you do a PG year. And they right. made it their pretty good year. Um, but, you know, people have been reclass, you know, essentially the joke is redshirting your kid in kindergarten. There's eighth grade right. repeats at these junior prep schools, and there have been people repeating grades. Um, over the course of time, it's, it's, not, it's nothing new. It's been going on for decades. Um, right. The reclassing concept is a little bit different. Um, but before we get into that, I mean, we've had some incredible, you know, um, players that have done this. Rob Pinnell, who was committed to Quinnipiac, and somebody saw him play and said, hey, why don't you take a PG year at Deerfield and, and you can go to Cornell? Um, Canadians have been doing this. When I first started recruiting Canadians, I had Matt Brown. He was like of age. He was a, you know, turn. 18 as a senior in grade 12. But the next recruit I had was this guy named Jeff Snyder. And Jeff right. Snyder was, was already 21 years old. He was chasing a hockey dream. And I brought him in and he became a 22 year old freshman. He was like a triple, right. a triple repeat. And it was just because of the timing of it. Right. I mean, when we were at Brewster, if you want to be impactful, you're not going to go find Canadian freshmen. You're going to go find older Canadians who can make a who can make a um, an impact right away and so for us it was finding juniors in Canada who had not been recruited yet uh, with the exception of Robert Cobra who came in committed to Georgetown and having them repeat their junior year to give them you know that window at the time it was just you know that's when you got recruited anyway was after your junior year so to give them that window of time to get to get recruited which they were going to miss unless they took that that repeat year so yeah I mean it, you know it's it's a it's a great tool for kids who have sort of missed a window. Yeah, no doubt. And, and let's also just state that um, coaches would prefer to have older kids. I'd rather have a 20-year-old freshman 
than a 19-year-old freshman. In Jeff right. Sayers' case, he was a 22-year-old freshman. In hockey, they've been doing this forever. Yeah, we'll take you, but go up and play junior hockey. Why are they doing that? Yeah, and now, you know, we've got kids um, at, at my high school that are high-level hockey players, and you can't go to a NESCAC school some of the times without taking a year or two at juniors. So, you know, I mean, that, that is the culture of hockey. And, just, you know, and, and this repeating reclassing piece is, is part of the culture of, of lacrosse now as well. Yeah, and at a lot of boarding schools that you're going to go to, these higher-powered academic institutions, they're going to not just recommend that you repeat. They're going to insist oftentimes that you repeat to be able to catch up because their schools are, their schools are, are, are harder. And I think a lot of people have a misconception on repeating when they're already a really good student. And they're, you know, so what's your take on, you know, when, when someone's like, well, I would never repeat my son because, you know, he's such a great student, you know, why would I, you know, have him not have to be challenged? Well, I mean, look, I think that's a fallacy in and of itself. I mean, I think the, all these schools, the schools we're talking about where you would go and repeat, have opportunities to challenge your kid, whether he's taken geometry as a freshman or not. I mean, you know, I, I, that is not a concern is finding academically challenging opportunities for kids in a repeat year. And, uh, you know, it, for on the field, you're going to be competing against guys that are a year older anyway, whether it's from New England or, or, or California or Texas or Long Island. You, the guys are older. Um, you know, we went through that, that list that we, we talked about the other day where, you know, half the kids in the, in the freshman uh, classes of the schools that we could find were, were you know, 20 uh, – 2000s so um it's it's just it's the reality um it's it's part of what's going on and you don't if you reclass you don't have to commit to it um, it creates the window of opportunity rather than you know sort of fixing the, a missed window which which repeating does so I, I just think there's tons of opportunity with it and it's crazy not to at least consider it when you're going through the process yeah, no doubt. And, and, and the bottom line is, like you said, it's what you're up against. Um, so, you know, it used to be that if you were a January or February birthday, in my era, you were on the older side of your class. And we know that with relative, relative age effect, that, you know, for, for, for sports that mandate age specific, it's the first quarter, you know, January, February, March birthday, always tend to excel because they're older and better. And then all of a sudden you have some schools you know, or states like Colorado, where it's a September 15th cutoff. So if you're born in September, you know, you're just going to be on the oldest side of your class. So, right. and, and then you start saying, people are like, well, I don't want to be the youngest kid in my class. I'm born in August, July, June. I'll just, you know, hold, hold my son back a little bit. Right. And then as, as time goes on, you know, it's just, it's getting older and older and older, which means that if you're a May birthday, you're going to be like the youngest kid in your class. Right. And it's actually a, a, a huge disadvantage um, when it comes down to uh, physically competing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you have to, you know, I think we, we the outliers um, situation where he's talking about the January birthdays and, and how those kids tend to make the NHL over the other kids. Um, it's it's you have to consider where your kid is relative to the rest of the class. Um, and if you're wondering why you're not getting the looks, well, you might not be getting the looks because you're just not physically there yet. Um, and so reclassing gives you that window to, to take advantage of playing at your true age. 
so Malcolm Gladwell is who you were referring to in the book Outliers when he right. all of those birthdays. And it's just a fact. Um, the thing is, it, when, when, when your sport is completely geared to January 1st, you're just locked into your birthday if you're born in December. You're kind of right. shattered. Um, but in lacrosse, it's not that way. And so what people are able to do is basically just give themselves an older birthday um, by repeating or reclassing. And the advantage of reclassing is that you don't actually have to commit to it. So let's take it back to 2012. Yep. 2012, you and I had just started working together for about a year. We, we initiated this business that was really cool called 3D Blue Chip. And uh, we combined with Jake Reed's Blue Chip with 3D. And we created really one of the coolest camps. It was unbelievable. Out there. You know, it was such a great camp. It was five different weekends. Um, and it was essentially a tryout for Jake Reed's camp. And right. it, was, it was kind of, uh, there was a little bit of an uproar because we had eighth graders that were right. going, in, but this was in the beginning of the early recruiting. And I remember we, we had some real in, like internal discussions about whether we were going to include eighth graders or not, whether it was the right thing to do. And we ended up being ahead of the curve. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that we, we pushed the curve, but we were definitely ahead of the curve on that um, in terms of, of those kids getting recruited. Yeah, well, so I remember being at that camp, one of those camps, I think it was a mid-Atlantic camp in January 2012, and there was this kid named Ryan Conrad playing. Yeah. I called Dom immediately. Dom Starcia at the time was head coach at Virginia, and I was like, Dom, I've got a kid for you who was an absolute stud. Ryan Conrad a few months later became the first commit in the class of 2015 in June. And that was like, you know, it was like an uproar there too. Like, oh my God, <laughs> how can you be committing somebody? Yeah. And it just, it was accelerating um, like crazy. But the other thing that happened that summer was um, a Brewster kid named Ryder Garnsey. Correct. Yeah. 2014 um, was being, you know, it seemed to be like slipped through the cracks a little bit. Tell us a little bit yeah. about Ryder's story and, and where that led us. Yeah, so Ryder, um, yeah, Ryder I've known since he was knee high um, when he was all head and helmet. Uh, yeah, he, he was a 2014 um, coming out of Wolfboro, New Hampshire, um, and played on some really good club teams. So he was kind of getting the exposure that, that he, he, he should get. It wasn't like he, he wasn't in the right places or playing for the right team or any of that stuff. He was just a, like a small, slight kid, and I think to some degree – coaches didn't understand his skill level at that point and um, as he started to grow into his body a little bit and became much more dominant um, opportunities started to come around for him but not a lot of them um, you know Andy Andy Towers actually committed uh, recruited him really hard um, but there weren't a ton of opportunities for him until you know until we had this this situation happen with Notre Dame where Notre Dame said yeah we like him but we wouldn't take him unless he's a, a 2015 and so you know, that, that is what sort of started us, you and I, on the conversation of reclassing these guys. And, well, okay, if, if, if they're going to tell Ryder this, that, you know, he should take another year, can we just tell kids that they should play under the assumption that they might take another year? Can, can we play kids down a year, basically, with the idea that they might, that, that might create more opportunities for them? And so that's where the, you and I had the reclassing conversation, I think, at Denver Shootout one day. Um, and, and then, you know, we started talking to more families about it. And 3D Blue Chip 
gave us a, a great avenue for that because there were so many kids, older kids who had really sort of missed their window and we were able to help them um, create another year of recruiting for themselves that way. So Ryder was, this is summer after his sophomore year. Right. And I think the deal was, was that Notre Dame was really interested, but I think their recruiting class was basically full. Full. Um, where the money was gone or something along those lines. And they're like, we love this kid. We would love to take him as a 2015. Would he consider doing a PG year after he graduates from Brewster? And we'll take him the year after. And that kind of spurred on the thought of, well, so the coach is initiating this, but why, why couldn't the athlete just initiate that? And then it's this huge advantage because if you repeat, it's actually a massive commitment. You, you, you're, you know, right. You have to go find another school, which you might not want to do. You have to maybe leave home to go to the boarding school. Some families really would rather have their kids around. Um, you have to, you know, it's 50 or $60,000 now. Back then it was probably 40 or $45,000. It's a big expense. And you got to start that expense earlier rather than mm-hmm. just straight up PG year. Um, and by the way, if, you know, if somebody like Notre Dame says, we'll take you as a 2015, it's like, I'll do it. Right, right. And the interesting thing is, and this was sort of, you know, before, you know, quote unquote poaching became, you know, more commonplace, but playing as 2015 created more opportunities for him. Now he didn't take any of them. He, once he committed to Notre Dame, he was committed, but, you know, playing on that team, he, he got seen by all those coaches again and, and they were more prone to want to take him. So, you know, that year uh, of playing as a 20 or two years of playing as a 2015 did create opportunities for him beyond the Notre Dame offer. He just, you know, he stuck to his commitment. So there's, there are so many people that are just going to be up in arms at this conversation. You know, that's, um, that's not fair. And, um, you know, whatever those opinions are, it's fine, but it's happening. And so our job here is to try to educate everybody on this. And at the end of the day, I don't think anybody should feel badly about what they're doing for their kids when, when this is like fully legal um, and acceptable. And it's, and it's what you're up against anyways. People, people ask me all the time, what's, what's the recruiting philosophy of, of your 3D New England group or 3D lacrosse? And, and, and until guys start making real money on this thing, you know, the, the philosophy is to maximize your, your academic opportunities, to find a nexus where your academic opportunities meet your lacrosse desires, right? And so if, if the, the decision is between going to, um, you know, sort of a mid-tier academic school um, at the right age or taking another year and really maximizing your academic opportunities, why, why, who wouldn't do that? You know, right. who, who wouldn't do whatever they had to do to, to go to the best school possible? you know, within the, you know, within the bounds of what's legal. And certainly what we're talking about here, you know, people may not like it. Well, you know, my kids got to go to tournaments and play against older kids. Well, your kid's going to go to college and have to play against older kids. And your kid's going to go to high school and have to play against older kids. Playing against older kids is, you know, part of the deal. So um, I, I don't have any reservations about having conversations with people. And when I talk to families about it, I talked to a girl's family about this just yesterday. You know, it's like, look, I'm not, I don't want to force you into anything financially that you're not comfortable with, but I want you to understand that this opportunity is here and here's why it might make a difference in your son or daughter's process. That's all. And, and I'm not, we don't dictate repeat. We don't tell a kid, Hey, a kid bumped down. Now you have to repeat, you know, it creates a lot of issues for the club director in terms of balancing your rosters and such, but 
we certainly aren't telling kids they have to repeat, but I will definitely talk to a person, especially someone who's sort of lost in the shuffle in the recruiting process. Here's a way to create more opportunity for yourself. Right. The bottom line is, is trying to leverage your lacrosse to help you get into a better college. Um, and the other thing that's really important is that you, in order to get recruited, you have to be the best possible prospect you can be against the class that you're in. And that's really why this, these people are doing this is because that is the model that coaches use. Right. They're trying to project how good you are, but they're also comparing you to the class that you're in. And we've already established that you'd rather, as a coach, you'd rather have a 20-year-old freshman than a 19-year-old freshman. You'd rather have a 24-year-old senior than a 22-year-old senior if you can have it, which is, again, back to why in junior hockey, they're always pushing guys off so that they can have an older, more physical right. go work on your game. The, the one thing I would say, though, that I think is also really important to understand is when we have these conversations with families, and if a family brings this concept to us, my question to them is, how is this, you know, we have to consider how it might change or not change the trajectory of your recruiting process. If it's not going to change where you're going to school, if it's not going to change your academic or athletic opportunities, then we're, then why do it? You know, so for every conversation we have about how this, this concept can create more opportunities, it's also a question of having the conversation with families about, is it going to change anything? Right. And if it's not going to change anything, and, and for a lot of people, it might not then we're, you know, we're not, I don't, you know, I'm not going to support it. You can do whatever you want. It's your kid. But I don't, if, it, if I don't think it's going to change anything, I don't think you should do it. And we have just as many of those conversations as well. And change, not changing anything simply means that you're just, listen, you're just not a division one caliber athlete. It's right. not that you're just getting missed here. It's that you probably don't either have the skill or the athleticism to play at that level. Right. But at the same time, even that player, everybody is a better prospect in the next year down every 21 is going to be a better 22 it doesn't matter who you are it's just that like you say if you're not good enough you're not good enough it's not going to it's not going to change anything in right. terms of your college destination one of the great things about reclassing it it allows you to play out three different tracks at the same time so when you were born you know your parents were knew that someday you'd probably go to college and that's one track just go to college in the class that you're in so if you're 2021 20, right go off to college and then another track is as a 2021 you get recruited at some level whether it be division one division two II, division three you get a chance to go play college lacrosse and the third track is your reclass where you could be a 22 and you can basically become a better prospect as a 22 you might get an offer from a school like if harvard says we'll take you as a 22 would you do it yeah right yeah. you do it but but if another school came along that you know, you could have gotten into anyways as a 21, you probably don't do it. And this allows you to play out all of those tracks at the same time. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, I talked to a family just yesterday about this and their daughter is a really good player. And, um, and I, I think she's a division one player. So the conversation seemed appropriate. And I said, look, if you play this summer as a 22, you know, you're not foregoing the opportunity to go to school as a 21. You know, I think, you know, there's a, a, a large percentage of the schools out there that are still recruiting 21s, right? Um, but the, the fact is that most of their efforts are going to go into recruiting 22s this summer. And so you're going to get seen by all the coaches that you want to be seen by. And it allows us to have the opportunity to have the conversation with those schools. 
yeah, she's a, you know, she's playing as a 22 and she will be a 22, but she's, you know, she's actually currently a 21. So she's committed to this idea of taking a PG year for the right school. If you like her as a 21, we can have that conversation as well. And so, you know, it allows you to, um, to be seen by all these coaches as a 22. It allows your club coach to have the conversations about your options as either a 21 or a 22. And it allows you to perhaps go to prospect days and play as a 21 and tell the coaches, look, I'm a 21 and I'd love to come as a 21, but if you'd like me to come as a 22, I'm, I'm open to that too. And so it just, it just opens your opportunities up quite a bit. Yeah, so one of the things that you said that I just want to repeat is that oftentimes when kids reclass, they end up in their original class. Absolutely. You may say, well, how is that? Well, and I'm just going to repeat something else you said, which is this coming summer, there's a lot of schools that are going to have 21 spots open. But they're going to need to really focus on watching the class. A lot of them are going to have to focus on the class of 22. The schools that you would want to go to if you're reclassing aren't are going to be watching more 22 lacrosse than 21 let's just say they're allocating 75 percent of their resources to the 22 class right 25 percent of your of their resources to the 21 class well if you're playing 22 and this you're automatically a better prospect as a 22 and yes. they're watching you a lot more but they still have spots in the class of 21 you can kind of see how that works Absolutely. Right. So, you know, schools get three coaches on the road and, and, you know, maybe their volunteer or their dolo are out there watching as well. But for the most part, it's head coach and the two assistants are on the road. I, I would venture to guess that most of the schools that we're talking about doing this for are going to send the head coach and the, the recruiting assistant out to go watch 22s. And the third assistant or the second assistant will be watching 21s to try to fill the two, three holes they've got in that class. I just, I think that's probably the way it's going to play out this summer. Now, you know, the interesting thing about recruiting is it's like a new process every year, um, whether that's rule-based or just, you know, sort of how the, how the recruiting process tends to change. So I think it's going to be a really interesting year um, with regards to the 22-21, but that's kind of how I see it playing out. And we got to remember, you have to be good enough. And, and the deal is, is that there are just more prospects than there are spots. I mean, that's part of it, right? I mean, so it, it's not this magic wand going to guarantee you anything um although it will give you a better chance a lot of people ask this question well okay if i want to do this that's great but how do i do it it's pretty simple you you just you play as a 22 you can go talk to your club director and say i want to play as a 22 this summer or, you know or i want to reclass and play with a, this other class this summer um and then you can still you know, you can play as a 22 with your club. You can go to showcases and prospect days as a 21. You know, if you're, if you're looking to maximize your academic potential, maybe you play as a 22 and you go to NESCAC prospect days as a 21 to see if the interest is there at, at that age group. So you, you can build this sort of um, this, this group of opportunities for yourself at both um, age groups uh, that allows you to make the best decision for yourself at the end of the end of the summer or recruiting cycle, you know? And so um, the family that I spoke to the other day, I said, if you play as a 22, you should go to Tufts and you should go to Wesleyan and you should go to Middlebury as a, as a 21 and, and see what, how those opportunities play out. And on the other end, when we're at our tournaments this summer, we can have the conversations around, you know, your actual class that you're in and the class that you're willing to be in to go to schools X, Y, and Z. So, so basically, 
you just sign, if you're 21, you just sign up for a 22 club team somewhere. It could be your club, could be a different one if there's no room, whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, you sign up at prospect camps as a 22, unless you're at a division three prospect camp and you're playing out that track and you sign up. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Now, won't coaches be confused? This is a question I always get. Like, aren't they going to be confused and, and not know what to do? No, <laughs> they won't be. I mean, I, it's, it's pretty commonplace. And all of this centers around the conversations that your club coach uh, is having with schools. Um, and so it's not that confusing. Um, if, if you're good enough, the phone call will come to the club coach. And then the club coach or on the sidelines, the club coach can have the conversation with the coach. Uh, so I don't, it's really not that confusing at all. It's, it's actually a pretty simple conversation. It is. And, and the key words are good enough. Yeah. Uh, basically, it is so hard to get recruited at these schools, you guys. I mean, it's like literally the players are getting are incredible. We're watching a new level of lacrosse every single year. And so right. if you're good enough, they're going to be like, who is that guy? Or this kid is awesome. And they're going to be like, now, is he a 21 or a 22? And you go, well, he's a 21, but he kind of slipped through the cracks and he wants to go to the best academic school he could possibly go to. So he's willing to take a PG year. But honestly, he'd probably be pretty fired up to be at 21. Right. Yeah. You, you know, uh, just sort of anecdotally, I was talking to a women's ACC coach um, this fall in the airport and I was asking her, you know, what she was doing with her 21s. And she said, you know, we don't like the class. We're, we're going to take four 21s and then we're just going to move on. And, and it was a really interesting conversation. I said, well, have you seen the whole class? Because there's no way. I mean, the, you know, there's girls everywhere, obviously. And she's like, no, we just, we, we, we've seen what we want to see. We're going to take the four we're going to take, and then we're just going to build a big 22 class. And so immediately like, well, if I've got a girl that I think is good enough to play there, what do I do with her? Because they're done. I mean, they're just not going to look at you at that age group. And so the only viable option, if you think the girl can play at that school is to then have her play as a 22. And if they decide they want to add a fifth, great. If they don't, then you've got the opportunity as a 22. You know, with the new NCA recruiting rules that limits contact with athletes until September 1st, junior year, it has changed the timing of the recruiting. So it used to be that people would reclass in like eighth grade because right. they could actually like, and it probably had a bigger impact. It did have a bigger impact. You know, repeating yep. from ninth grade to eighth grade is a bigger impact than, you know, from 11th grade to 10th grade or whatever. Um, but now, you know, people are, are we're going to talk about the when, sort of when you do it in a second. But now what's happening is if these schools have one summer to try to assess an entire class, and to your point, they can't really do it. They're missing kids. There's no way they're seeing everybody. Yeah, it, I feel for them. I, I love the rules. I think it's really streamlined the process for kids and coaches and club, club coaches, et cetera. But it's just getting kids on campus, um, you know, is brutal. Seeing all the kids is really hard. Um, now, I think it's probably easier than, than juggling four recruiting classes before they ever get on campus. But I just, I feel like a lot of kids got overlooked this year because of it. Um, fall lacrosse, as you know, is not the best recruiting landscape. And that ended up being, I think, really, really important uh, for colleges this fall to have a good, to have a good fall um, recruiting cycle because you just, you don't get enough data in the summer um, 
to, to really build out your class. So I feel, and, and there's so many spots still open at all these schools because of it. And so going into this summer uh, is going to be really interesting because they, like we said, they've got a lot of spots at the 21 class and they've got to, they've got to find those guys. And then they've got to really dig into the 22s having not probably seen much of them yet. So uh, it's interesting. It's a really interesting uh, problem. There are more really good players and really good events and really good club teams than ever before. And the right. coaching staffs are still about the same size. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day about the difference between boys recruiting and girls recruiting, just in terms of tournaments and et cetera, you know, the best boys tournaments aren't really that big. You know, you might go to a boys tournament that's 10 or 12 fields that's a great tournament, got all the coaches you want to see, and the coaches can really dive in. You go to President's Cup, and you have to go to President's Cup, right? It's 40 fields, so, and you play four games over the course of three days. How do college coaches get around to see everybody? And it, I just, it's yeah. a little bit harder, you know, I think to, to, to get that. And they, they both present their own challenges, right? Um, but for, on the girls' side, just the, there's certain tournaments you have to be at. Um, and if you're there, it's great, but it's still, they're just the size of them is massive. And it speaks to the number of great players, but it also, I think, speaks to just the inefficiency that there is built into the system. Okay, so let's talk about when, if you're going to repeat or reclass, and, and, and the topic is really more about reclassing because you can repeat anytime you want. Right. But, you know, when is the best time to reclass, would you say, in this, in this day and age? So the recruiting rules being what they are, you know, in, in September 1 uh, of, your, of your junior year being such a key date, I think playing out your junior summer in, in your correct age group and seeing how it all plays out is, a, is what you should do. And then- So you mean you know, so your sophomore summer, your summer before junior year, you mean? Yeah, your sophomore summer going into your junior year. So, so playing that summer through with your, your age appropriate, your correct grade, the grade that you've been in your whole life um, is the right way to do it. And then sit down with your, with your, your club coach and your parents and, and decide, hey, look, this is what I was hoping to get out of this process. This, this didn't come to fruition. You know, I know fall is going to be uh, important, um, but what's our course of action moving forward here? Um, and, you know, if, it's, if, if everyone agrees that the player should have those opportunities and maybe slip through the cracks or would, you know, would have, would have those opportunities again the next summer as a, as a reclass player. That's when you start talking about it, you know, through the fall, even that fall maybe, and definitely um, the summer after your junior year, if you're going to reclass, that's when you have to play with your, you know, your new grade. Yeah. If you are, um, you know, September 1st, you're not getting quite the interest that you want and, and you've been told and you think you've been evaluated and people are like, listen, I think you can really play, hang in there. You know, that will be a time to do it. If you really wanted, you know, Ivy League and you're getting recruited by all Patriot League schools, yeah, there's probably a chance that, you know, you could upgrade yourself. I mean, just think about trying out for Under Armour. You know, it's a two-year window to try out. It's really right. hard to get that team, you know, in the younger of the two years. Um, right, right. And, you don't, and, and if you're reclassing, you know, and you're not reclassing, it's basically like you're younger every single year. And you're right. Um, so, but I think, you know, the idea is you sort of gauge that interest in September and you begin to make a plan for the following summer to, to, to be able to reclass. And at the same time, you're, you're planning out those three tracks of, hey, what's the best school I can get into that I want to go to? You know, whether it be 
as a 21 and divisions three, two, one, or whether it's, you know, a reclass opportunity or whether right. I just go to college. And by the way, it's not for everybody. I mean, you know, you don't want to push anybody into this and you've already wrapped no. I mean, the kid has to be so all about lacrosse and the commitment of going to the best possible academic institution that they've got to want to take that extra year. Yeah, you shouldn't, I don't think you should be taking sort of a, a leap of faith necessarily. I think there should be some data to support the decision in terms of, yeah, you know, he's good. We'd like to take a look at him for a little while. If someone's saying they're good, we'd like to watch him play a little more. I, you know, and it's, a, you know, if an Ivy League school saying, we, we like him, we don't have room, we'd like to see him play some more. Those are the kids that you're having that conversation with. Like, hey, look, they like you, they don't have room, or, you know, they want to see you play more. That might be, that might be the data you need to yeah. make that decision. That could be. And I think also, you know, if you have somebody that you trust that, that, that has a track record. Yeah, absolutely. That's just basically saying, look, you are good enough. There's no guarantees you're going to get, you know, recruited to the school of your dreams, but, but you definitely are good enough and should consider this one way or the other. Right. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people ask the question, you know, well, what do I do, you know, for that extra year? Um, you know, and obviously a PG year is kind of the obvious choice, yeah. uh, but, you know, people struggle with the, the finances on that. Um, yeah. I, right. So, you know, interesting story. We have a kid um, who played for us who reclassed and turns out that when the time came to sort of take that PG year, the family couldn't afford it. Um, and, you know, great family, great kid. Um, he ended up interning with us for a year and he was an awesome addition to our office. So he worked with us for a year. You know, he, he trained, um, with our high school kids at times and, um, and he played in men's league box and he got better over the course of the year. I think that's the key is you've got to do something yeah. to, to make sure that you get better. Um, but you know, I, there's a million different ways to sort of spend that year. You don't have to spend $60,000 going to prep school. If you're creative and smart, I think there's really great ways to, to do it. And there are, there are schools out there that are certainly cheaper than New England prep schools that would, you know, that would really uh, push your lacrosse as well. I think, you know, if you wanted a PG and you really want to commit yourself, like look at the Hill Academies and the Everest Academies in, in, in Ontario, and they're much cheaper and they're going to help you get there on, on a lacrosse perspective. If it's an academic thing, it's a whole other story, but um, there's a lot of ways to spend that year and they're not all, um, it's not cookie cutter. I don't think it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And I think people should also know that there's a ton of financial aid. You know, there's nothing that these schools like more than, than a built-in college commitment to a really good right. school. Absolutely. That's marketing for them, right? Um, if there's, a, if there's an, an end game there for the kid and, and they know, like, hey, this kid's going to Hopkins, that's great for us. Um, and there's need there, they'll, you know, a lot of schools will, will, uh, will meet that need. Um, and, and it, you know, just the other thing is that kid that spent the year interning for us, he ended up stepping on the field and playing as a freshman at a Division One school and, and having a great year and, um, and really took sort of a non-traditional path to getting there. Um, but he worked his butt off to, to make sure that that worked for him. I love that. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I just don't want to take a PG year. And I say, you know, you don't have to. You can take a gap year. I mean, how about right. just designing the ultimate year for your development, whether that be internships, working, obviously training, classes, online classes at, you know, as a part-time student at, at yeah. college level classes. How about travel? You know, I mean, you could literally, you know, build 
a year that would just such amazing preparation for college. I think, I mean, I think that would be the avenue that I, I'd personally love to explore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, there, I, I just, I, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of ways to spend that year. Um, and you can work with the college. I mean, at that point, you know, you're working with your college coach to decide what, what would work for you that year. And, and they might have ideas and, and opportunities that, um, that would be really interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, how about an unbelievable internship, take some classes abroad and then go train the whole way and then go to Canada starting in April and then yeah. that summer. And now yep. you've basically gained a season back. Um, right. and it doesn't, yeah. So it's all great options. And, and the PG year, the PG route is traditional and it's great. I mean, there's no question that um, these, these prep schools are once in a lifetime experiences that um, will change your life and create unbelievable opportunities and habits yep. and friendships and the network um and it's great lacrosse um yeah so it's not a lot of lacrosse <laughs> but it's great lacrosse in the 10 oh. week season yeah two two month season i mean we're not even you know up here we haven't even had our first practice yet so and we don't have our first game for another three weeks well i i think all in all the the point of this podcast was just to you know, put everything on the table so that people can know what their options are. They can know what is happening, what they're up against, and they can make a decision that's in the best interest of their family and their kids. And it's a per totally personal decision. Uh, you should feel comfortable in doing anything you want to do. Um, but it really does come back to, are you good enough? Right. hundred percent. 100%. And at the end of the day, there might, there's probably going to be uproar over this podcast and this kid did this and this kid did that. But <laughs> if the kid's leaving school five years later with a degree or six years later with a degree that he wasn't going to get otherwise, you know, it, it's, it's a win, you know, and, and uh, for us, um, 3D New England, Pete S and I, our wins are making sure that we um, create the best academic opportunity for our kids at, at, you know, within the bounds of what's, what's, you know, ethical. Um, but I certainly think this is something that's ethical and smart and, and a great option for a lot of, a lot of families. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Um, really interesting topic that really needed to be addressed. And I think the people that have listened to this um, are going to uh, be a better educated and have a, a better um, point of reference for the, the actual environment that's out there right now. Yeah, I really, uh, it was great to come in and talk about it and hopefully uh, provide some, some information and maybe dispel some myths and, you know, uh, it was great to catch up with you as well. So thanks for having me, Jamie. All right, man. Have a great spring. Thanks a lot, man. Talk to you soon.